Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. How many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? I, I, I tried. I, I was not successful, so I'm going to give a, another go at it, which I'll get into in a little bit. But this is the time of year when usually we reflect, we reassess, we recalibrate, we refocus on the year ahead. It, it's the time of year when we consider the things that matter to us, right? We try to recalibrate towards those things. We entertain new rhythms to incorporate into our lives so that our, our lives are more aligned with the things we really care about, the things that, that really matter to us. And sometimes our, our resolutions are successful. Sometimes they're not as successful as we hope. But if, if nothing else, what this time of year can do for people is provide us with an opportunity to revisit the things that we care about, the things that we want to grow in, things that are important to us. And I think the same thing can be said of churches. At Church at the Well, there, there are three core values or, or three things that we're committed to, to caring about. And they're all aspirational in nature, meaning that, that we haven't arrived at any of them yet, but we're aspiring toward them. And those three things are to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we spent much of the last year, 2023, exploring the first one on how to be with Jesus. And we unpacked a little bit the, the five places that were guaranteed to meet with Jesus, right? That we're, we're guaranteed, and Scripture tells us this, we're guaranteed to meet with Jesus in, among the church gathered. We're guaranteed to meet with Jesus in prayer. We're guaranteed to meet with Jesus in Scripture, we're guaranteed to, to meet with Jesus among the least of these. And we're guaranteed to meet Jesus in Sabbath. And, and becoming a follower of Jesus really begins by being with Jesus, right? And that makes sense. If you're going to bec become a follower of somebody, it's really important to be with that person. And so to be a follower of Jesus, that's, that's where it begins. But here's the thing. Being with Jesus by itself all on its own is it enough to make us apprentices of Jesus? Because we also have to, to learn how to become more like him. And we have to learn how to do what he did. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, turn our attention to, to the second part of, of that core value, of that mission statement, of uh, becoming like Jesus, which, which sounds daunting, doesn't it? Because none of us are like Jesus perfectly. And, and so it, it's a lot to think about that. So how do we do that? How do we become more like Jesus? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. What does that mean? We're becoming more like him with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And what, now one of the ways that we would paraphrase that, or one of the ways that we would say when talking about our formation process is, is this. We become more like Jesus when we behold who Jesus is. When we enter into our belovedness with, 
with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're completely dependent on the help of the Holy Spirit in this process through kingdom practices incorporated into our daily lives. That's how, that's how we would say, uh, we would talk about our transformation process of becoming more like Christ. And it's, it's, it's jam-packed, right? But it starts with this idea, beholding who Jesus is. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, when we contemplate the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image. And so since becoming like Jesus starts with beholding who Jesus is, we thought our first sermon series of the year should help us do that, should help us just to stop and behold who Jesus is. And what better way to do that than through the eyes of a child? You know, Jesus told us that unless we become like little children, we can't enter the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven, because children have a way of, of, of getting to the, the essence of things, getting to the heart of the matter. They have childlike faith. Um, they, they have a way of stripping back all the complicated, ancillary things that we as adults become overly preoccupied with. Uh, and they have a way of making things simple, straightforward, right? You ever talk to a kid? Everything's like straightforward, cut to the chase, simple, um, and digestible. So for the next six weeks, what we're going to do in this sermon series is we're going to be using a children's Bible in the sermons. And the children's Bible we're going to use is the Jesus Storybook Bible. And we'll incorporate some other corresponding scriptures with, with this um, during, during our times together. But we're also going to be incorporating some of our kids in some special ways over the coming weeks, which is exciting for me as a pastor for a couple reasons. One, we can learn a lot from our kids, right? You can learn a lot from a kid. Just, just take the time to watch a kid. Watch them play. Watch how they act. Watch how they trust. Like, we can learn a lot from them. And, and two, I think it's really important for them to know that this is their church as much as it is ours. Amen? So we're going we're gonna to be, they're still going to have kids' church downstairs on the second floor. But we're going to be sprinkling in some of their voices in our times together over, over the next several weeks. And they're going to be walking through the same Bible stories that we're going through up here, which gives us the opportunity as parents and as adults to like talk to our kids about what they're learning about Jesus and what we're learning about Jesus together. So I'm excited about that. We're going to start today with a story. And, and it, when, again, I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible, but it correlates with Luke chapter 4, chapter 5 and chapter 6. There's two stories that we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to read the first one, and I think I have, the, yeah, we have this up here for you. Let, let's read, I'm going to read this for us. After Jesus was baptized, he went straight out into the, into the desert. That may seem like an odd place to go, because as you know, deserts are very hot, and there isn't any food or water or places to stay. But Jesus needed to get away by himself and be somewhere quiet and lonely. He needed to be with his heavenly father to get ready for his new life. In the desert, Jesus thought about the secret rescue plan he had made with God. Before the foundation of the world, they both knew what would have to happen. To rescue God's children, Jesus would have to die. There was no other way. It was the reason he had come. Now that old enemy, the one who had spoken through the snake to Adam and Eve back in the garden, remember him? He didn't want Jesus to rescue God's people. So he lied to Jesus. 
Are you really God's own son? He whispered. Poor you. God must not love you. You don't need to die. Do it my way. Yes and no, Jesus said to the liar. I will do what God says. And from that moment on, nothing would ever be the same. Jesus wasn't like Adam. Jesus was a new kind of man. He would not believe the terrible lie that the enemy spoke. Jesus knew God loved him, and he would trust God no matter what. It was just as God had promised to Adam and Eve all those years before. Jesus had come to do battle against the snake's work. He would get rid of the sin and the darkness and the tears, and he would suffer, but he would win. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to pull a couple sentences from what we just read there. And again, we'll look at some corresponding scripture to to provide us with an opportunity to behold Jesus together through this story. And I want to begin with a loaded sentence that appears in the very first paragraph. Can I read that first paragraph for us again? After Jesus was baptized, he went straight out into the desert. That might seem like an odd place to go because, as you know, the deserts are very hot. There isn't any food or water or places to stay. And here's the sentence I want to pull out. But Jesus needed to get away by himself and be somewhere quiet and lonely. Read the next sentence, too. He needed to be with his heavenly Father to get ready for his new life. You know, I recently um, set aside an extended time to be with God last week, which I I try to do at the beginning of the new year. You know, as as the new year approaches, just an extended time to be with God, just kind of listen to God, talk to God about 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 the year and and any any kind of rhythms that I need to incorporate, and I have to confess it was a major flop. <laughs> have you ever had those times where you try to you're you're setting aside a prayer time, devotional time? I had my Bible with me, and I was going to read some scripture, and I was just going to pray and be quiet and meditate and, and and talk to God a bit and and just be still. And I found myself just completely distracted. I reached for my phone five or six times and entered the code in, and I don't even know what I was looking at. And I'm catching myself like, what am I, what am I, what am I doing? I saw a dish laying in my house, and I went and put it in the sink. I saw the pillows needed tidying. Like, it was that kind of time. <laughs> and, and I felt pretty defeated and discouraged after. And then later that day, I was, I was trying to get ready for the sermon. And I'm reading this story from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I read these words. He needed to be with his heavenly father to get ready for his new life. And I I thought to myself, these are exactly the words I need to hear today. And and they were really like strangely encouraging to me. It wasn't condemning in any way. It was really encouraging. Like I I just remember thinking to myself, hey, if Jesus needed to to get alone in in a quiet and lonely place by himself, to get ready for his new life. I got to do that too. And it, and it just kind of inspired me. More. I got to give this another go. And that's why I haven't done my resolution yet because I haven't found that space and time to try it again, but it's going to happen. And, and this, reading this passage really kind of helped me to, to say, yeah, you know what? If, if this was important for Jesus, it, it's important for me. And my prayer is that these words are, are an encouragement to, to you this morning, just like they were to me. Um, what if we found someplace quiet and lonely to be with God before we made any kind of New Year resolution this year. How would that change the way we approach 2024 to do what Jesus did? What if Jesus 
is on to something here. There's a verse in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 19. Let me read it for you. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. Jesus is referring here to his heavenly Father, right? How he, he, he only does what he sees the Father doing. And I, I think maybe as we get ourselves ready for the new year, instead of trying to assess and implement changes all on our own, what would it look like for us to take some time with God and reflect on what God might want to do in us and through us this year, what he might already be at work doing? And, and when I see Jesus finding somewhere quiet and lonely to be with his heavenly Father, to get ready for something new, as this children's Bible puts it, it makes me want to do that too. Even, even if I'm not successful at it all the time, right? It just makes me want to do that. Um, let me share something else I discover about Jesus in this story, something I, I, I want to behold and, and consider and, and try to implement in my life with, with the help of the Spirit. I want to skip ahead to, to where the devil tempts Jesus. And there's... A, there's a sentence I want to pull out. The devil's trying to, to convince Jesus to, that God doesn't love him, that he should do it another way. And, and the children's Bible says this, no, Jesus said to the liar, I will do what God says. And from that moment on, nothing would ever be the same. Isn't that a great sentence? See, the, to me, this is... This is a near-perfect summary of Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus is being tempted by the devil three times in the wilderness. Jesus was going into the wilderness to prepare to launch his earthly ministry, and he was fasting, and he was praying, and he was preparing himself. And, and we're told that, that Satan comes to him and, and, and three times tempts him, and, and Jesus resists everyone. And what makes this children's book retelling of this so brilliant is its simplicity it it is basically showing us that how jesus did two things he 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 said no to the devil in temptation right and he said yes to god and what he came to do and 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 then it says this line that just changed everything (laughs) those two things said no to the devil in temptation and yes to god and that changed everything and, of course, the author here is summarizing how, how Jesus had set his gaze on the cross, right, to, to rescue and redeem us and all of creation, and how nothing, not even the devil himself, could, could derail him from that path. His, his, his heart was set on it. And, and I love the simpleness of this, the simple portrait of the steadfastness of Jesus, like his dedication, his commitment, his love for us, that he's like, no, I'm not going to choose an easier way or another way. I'm choosing God's way. And at the same time, this, this page of children's Bible words is loaded with rich theology. Because in the next two paragraphs that follow it, it explains in some simple kid's language what Romans 5 says. 
the book of Romans, if you've ever read it, it reads like a legal treatise or a document. It's how it was written. It's how it's intended to read. But the, what, what's brilliant about this children's Bible is it takes two little paragraphs and gives the summary of Romans chapter 5, where it's talking about Jesus being the second Adam. And it, it talks really, it's this, the author showing through the, this story Bible how Jesus didn't believe the devil's lie like the first Adam did in the Garden of Eden, right? How, how Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, refused to succumb to the false narratives that the devil was spinning about God and, and how through the cross, Jesus would once and for all defeat and conquer sin and death, restoring what was forfeited by the first Adam in the Garden. All this rich theology in a children's Bible, in just two short paragraphs. And I, I, I think that's amazing. Can I, can I just offer everyone a word of pastoral advice, and you can take it or leave it, but I just want to offer it to you. If you're ever having trouble reading the Bible, understanding the good news of Jesus, um, understanding the gospel, pick up a children's Bible for a bit. And I'm being serious. <laughs> You're probably thinking, Adam, that would feel so childish to go buy a children's Bible and to read it and to bring it, you know, my devotions, here's my children's Bible, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Listen, there's a huge difference between being childish and childlike. Right? Jesus said, unless we become like a child, we can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes it can be really helpful to, to simplify um, especially if you're in a season of life where you're feeling overextended, where you're feeling overwhelmed, where you're feeling overtired, where you're feeling overstimulated, where you're feeling just overwhelmed in general or overworked. Um, I think that the good news of Jesus is powerful enough to speak to you through a children's Bible. Don't you? <laughs> and... We don't have to be sophisticated theologians to become like Jesus. I'm, I'm going to prove it to you in this next sentence I'm going to pull out of this children's Bible with the, with the corresponding scripture. Let, let's skip ahead and further story. We haven't read this part of the story yet. It's the next page. Let me read this for us. And this is the author's retelling of how, you know, in children's language, how Jesus chose his disciples. So let me just read this page for us. Jesus left the desert and set about the great rescue. He was going to get God's people back. But first, he needed to find some helpers and friends. He had a lot to do. He would need some people to help him. Who would make good helpers, do you think? Clever ones? Rich ones? Strong, important ones? Some people may think so. But I'm sure by now you don't need me to tell you they'd be wrong. Because the people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just need him a lot. Isn't that great? They just need him a lot. Look at this sentence. Because the people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just need, have to need him a lot. And I love that because when I reflect on Jesus choosing his, his disciples, the disciples that Jesus chose were not disciple material, right? Um, during Jesus' day, rabbi only selected the most prepared, educated students to become their disciples. 
they would carefully hand-select, weed through the brightest and the most promising candidates to become their disciples and to carry out their teachings because their legacy was on the line. And so Rabbi would only choose the very cream of the crop, the top of the class, the best of the best. And it was unheard of for a rabbi in Jesus' day to select the kind of students that Jesus did. Poor fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, average Joes. It was unheard of. Jesus didn't choose his students like other rabbi. He did it differently. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 12, this is before Jesus chose his disciples, it says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. You know what this verse tells us? It, it tells us this that Jesus saw the 12 he chose the same way God saw them. He prayed all night. <laughs> who, who, who should I choose, God? And the reason he chose these 12 is because he saw them the way God saw them. He didn't see them as unqualified. Right? He didn't see them as, well, you're just a poor fisherman. You're not educated. You're just a tax collector. Nobody likes you. You're just a zealot. You're just a hothead. <laughs> and the rest of you guys, you're just average. He didn't see them that way. Other rabbis saw them that way. But he saw them the way God saw them. And, and I believe this with all my heart. Jesus still invites unqualified people to be his apprentices. Isn't that good news for us? <laughs> for you and I? He still invites unqualified people to be his followers, to be his disciples, to be his apprentices. We don't have to be expert theologians or top of the class. We don't have to have all the answers or even have all our lives together. In the words of this children's Bible, we just have to need him a lot. That's all we have to have, is our need for him, dependence on him, to trust in, in, in the work that he did on the cross for us, his righteousness, not our own, right? I want to close with, with just three things, that I, that I simple things that I, that I learn about Jesus in the storybook Bible, things that I want to consider and observe and behold and, and put into practice with the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I just share these three things with you? The, fir the first one is this. Jesus depended on spending time with his heavenly Father. The children's Bible says it this way. He needed to be with his heavenly Father to get ready for his new life. I want to know how to do that too. Don't you? I want to know how to depend on God more and depend less on my own strength, my own abilities. I want to learn how to depend on my Heavenly Father more. Jesus did that. And when I, when I, when I read that in the story Bible and I reflect on Luke chapter 4, 5, and 6 and see Jesus doing that, it makes me want to do it. It makes me want to grow and learn how, how to do that. The second thing I learned about Jesus in this storybook Bible is that Jesus was able to resist the devil in temptation because he listened to God. Because he, he said yes to God. And that's something else I, I want to learn and grow in this year. I want to learn more how to do what God says. Right? To, to not allow false narratives to take root in my mind and in my heart. To not believe the lies that the enemy would just throw at me and, and try to paint a, a false picture of who God is, of who, who he's, he's wanting me to be. 
And Jesus was able to do that to resist the devil and resist temptation because he listened to God. He said yes to God. And then finally, the third thing I, I learned about Jesus in the storybook Bible is that Jesus invites unqualified people to be with him, to become like him, and to do what he did. And he's not waiting for us to reach perfection because, spoiler alert, we never will. <laughs> right? We're made perfect in him, Scripture tells us. We, we don't get there on our own. We're made perfect through his righteousness. And, and if, if we think, if we convince ourselves that, that he's just waiting, I can't be a follower of Jesus, I can't be a serious disciple of Jesus, I can't be an apprentice of Jesus because I just don't have everything together. I'm just not smart enough, or I just don't know the Bible good enough. Or, no, no, we're made perfect in him. And he invites unqualified people to be with him, to become like him, to do what he did. And what if we learned how to lean into that more this year? So I think all three of these things can, can help us become like Jesus as we behold who he is, right? As we enter into our belovedness with the help of the Spirit, incorporating kingdom practices like these in, into our, our daily lives. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. It's been a long time since we've been in Sunday school, hasn't it? <laughs> That's okay. We're going to be in Sunday school for the next few weeks together. Heavenly Father, we just confess that we, we need to be more like children, have childlike faith, and learn how to trust and get to the essence and, and the heart of things. And stop being over-preoccupied with the things that are complicated, overly complicated, and get in the way of our relationship with you. And Lord, we, we want to become more like you, Jesus, but it feels like an enormously difficult task, and it's impossible on our own. We recognize that. We confess that. We need the help of the Spirit. We need you at work in our lives. We need to behold who you are, Jesus. And so we're attempting to do that today just by pulling out a simple children's Bible. And, and Lord, I, I ask that you would help us to behold Jesus in such a way that would be transformative. Now, just like we, we read today, that we would learn how to depend on spending time with our Heavenly Father as we get ready for something new, as we get ready for a new year, a new life. Now, you would also help us to, to resist the devil and temptation and say yes to, to you more. Lord, we thank you that you invite and call unqualified people like us to be apprentices, to be followers, to be disciples. We are so unworthy, yet you choose us anyway. And we just give you all the praise for that. And, and Lord, it's very humbling, but we receive that gift. We know that it's, it's a gift that's given to us through Jesus and, and what he accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. And, um, we just embrace that. And we say more of that for us, God. I pray for all my friends as we go into the second week of the new year that, that we would somehow, somewhere be able to find some place that's quiet and lonely 
so that we could be with our Heavenly Father, get ready for what the things that you are doing in our lives and want to do in our lives this year. And we'll do our very best to, to listen. Help us, Holy Spirit. We will completely dependent on you. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.